What's going on, guys? This is the Founder Hour Podcast. I'm your co-host, Pat. I'm Posh. And in case it's the first time you're tuning in to the show, this is the Founder Hour Welcome, where uh, we hang out and just chill with founders, entrepreneurs, creators. And today on the show, we have Jeff Cole, who's a digital creator himself, uh, entrepreneur, and co-founder of Iconic, and just a fucking living legend. What's up, Jeff? What's up, guys? Thanks for coming. You guys uh, are at the new place, the new HQ. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's fucking sick. I think oh, last time we had Mark, your co-founder, Mark Brazil, in the show. Shout out, Mark. Uh, and that was kind of the, yeah. the last off, the last iteration of The Office. So Yeah, he talked a lot about me in that one. Yeah. So. I mean, I think most, most of the episode was about yeah. you. It was actually yeah. the most he's ever talked about me yeah. in a podcast. I think, I think that's what he was shouting out because he yeah. was so surprised at the things you were saying about him. And he was just so excited that, you know, I don't know. He was just very excited. So, Mark, thank you yeah. for your excitement. Yeah, thanks, Mark. So why the move? Why office number two? What? Ah, oh, man, we grew out of that space. We were there for three years, and it was just exploding with just art, just all the accumulation of like just random shit. Either people's been sending us the old office, like it was just time. And this is like forty percent bigger, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we just have a lot more space for people to work. Our team has grown. Um, I think we. What, how many people do we have here? Nine. Yeah, eight or nine people. Yeah, Mark's chilling in the back there. Mark, you can always yeah. talk, bro. Eight or nine people in the <laughs> office, so I think it was like max six or seven. So yeah. those two people are crucial, and I think we have room for like two more without sure. nice, 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 upgrading. Nice. So, so, yeah. um, so we always like to kick things off. I know you've done a lot of podcasts and talked about your story and background, but mm-hmm. uh, I think it's really important to you know for listeners to be able to like connect your story to your background to where you are now and, and, and how far you've come with iconic. So, yeah. um, tell us a little bit, I know you grew up in Chicago, um, or yeah. around Chicago. So tell us more about your, um, your childhood. Yeah. Born and raised in Chicago. Um, I was, you know, the art kid growing up. Um, but I was also, you know, heavily into sports, um, specifically basketball. So like I grew up on, you know, Michael Jordan, he was like my idol growing up. I would draw the, either the Bulls, anything Chicago Bulls or Jordan related, any chance I get in, in school. Um, was taking art classes around age of six or seven. Uh, so, you know, twice a week my mom would drive me and my twin sister to art classes where we would, you know, work on painting, sculpting, drawing, you know, watercolor, you name it. So I grew up literally doing that um, as a young age and, you know, I was just known as that that kid growing up. Um, yeah. So I was selling my art, you know, as early as age eleven. So it was kind of just like walking for me. It was it's it's like second nature. So Who would you sell it to like just kids in school? No, yeah, I would sell it like local art fairs. Um, mm-hmm. I would like draw, uh, you know, NBA players, put them on shirts, and go to like a local art fair and sell it there. That was my first like I guess first uh, business or yeah, my first entrepreneurial art venture. entrepreneur yeah. venture. Yeah. So I've been doing it for a while, and like any chance I got, if there was an art you know, uh, contest, there was a chance to do the uh, school shirts, any opportunity. It was, that was me. And uh, that was kind of what I was known for growing up. And and did that passion for art come like, um, naturally to you or was it something that like developed while you were taking these classes? I think when you have like the ability to create, it's kind of not addicting, but it's like, why not? You know, it's exciting. I think obviously creation is like one of the most fascinating things to me. I think everyone, I think yeah, everything thing. like, yeah, yeah, you know, art and creation, you know, go, they go hand in hand, but I think it's just, yeah, I'm just in love with cr- uh, creating in general. Um, you know, taking an idea that's in your head and then bringing it into the physical world is, is something, you know, I don't really take for granted. Growing up, was there anybody that inspired you to be artistic or to focus on growing yeah. and flexing you know the artistic no, muscle? No, there, there wasn't. I actually knew nothing about art growing up. Um, I was so into pop culture just because of the both the bowls. And they mm-hmm. were just kind of like it is like what nineties. Yeah, they were like the nucleus of pop right, culture back right, then. Right. And I was like in the mix and I didn't really know what pop culture was either. Growing yeah. up, you're like, you know, you're just messing around as a kid, but Jordan was the guy. So um he was my idol. So like I knew nothing about art, but I had the mindset of like Jordan, like that competitive, you know, nature that like Ruth uh, just raw rugged you know i was very competitive you know if you were my art class like i wanted to beat you type of thing like and that's really not the artist mentality so like Mm -hmm. i was a very different type of artist i definitely wasn't like your normal typical art kid when it comes to like 
being a kid and, and, and kind of dabbling in different things, I feel like oftentimes it's the things that we get like the validation for, like from the people around us that like, Hey, you're good at this or you're good at that. Yeah. That kind of shapes what we end up doing. Like, did that, like, were you getting a lot of positive feedback from around you telling yeah, the, you like, Jeff, you're really talented. Like, the, you're yeah, you're better was, than the other kids in class. Like that was that probably kind of the stuff. most annoying part of growing up. Cause you'd hear that every, almost oh, oh, all the time. Oh my yeah. God, you're so, you're going to be a famous artist when you grow up. And you know, it, it's, it's not like said super serious, but it's like, it's what people say about you. Were you annoyed by it or was it more so um, like an ego thing? Like it would inflate your ego. It was just like a part of me, you know? It was just like yeah. what I always grew up being and I didn't dislike it and I didn't overly like it. It wasn't like a confidence builder. Mm -hmm. It was just like who I was. Mm -hmm. um, but it's funny. We actually just had a podcast and uh, we were talking about gifts, presents you got as a kid and literally like I every present I got was like a coloring book or like one of those big sets with every marker. Like, yeah, yeah. Like sketch pads. Yeah. I, that stuff I didn't like because like yeah, I wasn't yeah. really into you know that stuff. Like I would just draw because I was really good and paint was, I was really good but like drawing like pen and paper. Yeah, but like but everyone thought, oh, I would love to, you know, mm -hmm. get all these art gifts. And I was, you know, I was a kid who loved, you know, you know, music and, you know, hip hop, rap, sports. And I wasn't really the typical art kid, like I told you. Right. So like everyone thought I was. So I would get all that art. Do you, do you think that that external validation early on from the people around you gave you the confidence to continue in that industry, in that art world? Or was it just so. Or was it just you knew that that's what you like yeah. and you were going to do it anyways regardless of what anybody thought? It was it was a little of both. I just I knew I was just really good and I just didn't know what I was going to do with it. Um, and like gradually it would get clear. Like the vision would get more clear. Um, you know, I would – I never knew what I wanted to do or be an artist growing up. I just knew, you know, I'm probably going to do something with art. Mm -hmm. Never knew what it was going to look like, what yeah, it was probably. going to be. Was it going to be a graphic designer? Was it going to be a, a painter, an illustrator? Zero idea. Because um, it was a different time when we didn't have social media at that time, like when we were like kids. So Yeah, so it was even weirder to be yeah. like, imagine what you want it to right. be, right? Because if you're a kid right now and you're creating, you're like, okay, I'm going to create so I can put it on Instagram or put it on social media. It was like a there was a means to an end or, or at least a way to distribute your mm – -hmm you know, your content. But back then it was just like, it didn't like, I remember like being a kid and, and you know, just kind of what I would hear from like the art world was like there, you, it's, it's really hard to get your name out there or get your work out there. And it's very yeah. confined to like your audience. Which, yeah. So, timing was definitely in my, in my favor there because yeah. as I right when I became an adult is when social media yeah. kind of popped off. And, um, I remember, I'll never forget 2011. Uh, my buddy's like, yo, you got to download this app Instagram. And this was like the first, literally a couple months that it was out. And I'm like, all right, still, are you still in Chicago at the time? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've only been in LA for four, four or five years. Okay, a little okay. like for a little under five years. So when it came out, I was so mind blown that I could literally just upload a drawing or something I've made, and right away, within a couple minutes, I have likes from people, real people. The first thing that I'll never forget, I'm like, there's no way these are real people. Yeah. Because I literally would post something and organically using the hashtag, because I was using hashtags yeah, literally mm -hmm. the first month. I was using like hashtag art, hashtag <laughs> yeah. streetwear, harsh, you know, hashtag illustration. Yeah. And I was all automatically getting likes and I thought it was fake. I was like, there's no way this is real. I would click on the profiles and like back then people didn't really post anything yet. So it was like <laughs> yeah. a lot of people didn't less even have any posts. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, it was like half of the people were just like they're yeah. on it and they follow a couple of things. Yeah. So um, do you remember what your first Instagram post was? I've deleted a bunch, um, but um, I don't. But it was it was my art. Yeah, yeah. I started posting my art. Something yeah. that you had drawn, or was it more graphic? I was both. So um, back then, I this is when I just started on the computer. So I was a mix of either drawings that I did in college, uh, stuff I was experimenting with, some old stuff and some new stuff. Which was just back then, it was just freelance. Or it was just me messing around because um, I had actually had to build my portfolio just to apply to get jobs since I've never took any design courses. So I was kind of just building things out of thin air. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that so was... In was so in college, you didn't do any like digital... Yeah, no, nothing. None. Nothing. They didn't even teach you? No. What did you study? Uh, I majored in... Uh, yeah, majored in illustration. Um, and actually was going to the upper division art program in illustration at Arizona. 
but I dropped out before I started that program. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's wild. Instagram was wild back and then. Was it like, I know you have a big following now on Instagram, but um, was like the growth pretty quick once you, once people started getting no, the, no, 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 the no, no, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's wild because I actually grew to 5,000 followers, which was a lot back then. Yeah. Shit, it's a lot now. It's like, yeah. Level so that. in like 2013, yeah. I had like 2012, I had 5,000 followers and that was by using the hashtags. Yeah. But that was it. Mm-hmm. That was like, which the, is, I my feel cap. like, where unless you like really put in the effort and, and do you know be creative with it, that's where most people just kind of cap out, which is like that five to 10k range, yeah. like organic, just yeah. And I also was working for different companies, so I wasn't really able to post everything because obviously, like, mm-hmm. I did a lot of product design, which obviously you can't post everything mm-hmm. you do in, in the product consumer world, yeah. Um, so yeah, so so let's let's t- kind of take it back again to like when yeah. you were a kid and you know you're doing art and that's kind of it sounds like all you were really focused on as far as outside of just you know day to day stuff. But um, did, was there anything else that piqued your interest? Like if art didn't work out, was there anything else you would have wanted? Well, to Well, I wasn't. Or? See, there's a the thing. I was so good at it that there was no way. Yeah, I was doing. I was. I wasn't good at anything else. Uh-huh. Even coming close to that, like. Not it's even like close. this way or no way. Yeah, like, there's like, no other yeah, option. Yeah, it, it came so effortlessly that I was like, "There's like, what else am I going to do where I'm like literally not trying and doing this well?" Yeah. So I knew that I had a lot of potential, and yeah. I wasn't even taking it seriously. But so. were you making money doing it? I wasn't making any money until I dropped out and had to fend for myself. And how did you make money at that point? Well, I downloaded Illustrator. I made a I made a couple logos and a couple things on illustrator i put it into my craigslist ads i would go on craigslist and go on all i mean i would apply for so many different jobs and whatever jobs i got and i was lucky that i could hop on illustrator and photoshop and create something very high level for my experience where i could actually get a couple gigs that actually paid pretty well but my first ever thing I sold was a logo for 150 bucks. It was a music and it was a music logo for some guys who were, you know, they just opened a studio and I got 150 bucks. And to me, that was like, it was amazing. Yeah. I was still in college. I think I was a junior in college. So, so you taught yourself Illustrator and Photoshop? Yeah. Um, in college, yeah. didn't go to classes, just sat in my room. And did you see that like wave, uh, you know, kind of, I mean, well, around what time you were in college? Like what years? I was 21, around 21, 22. Um, which is like what years? Sophomore, like, junior, yeah. Um, no, like like a year, like two thousand. Uh, two thousand uh, ten, eleven. Ten, eleven. Okay, yeah. so like that's kind of like right when yeah, like you were saying, like Instagram was launching, and you're seeing all the yeah. all the stuff. Perfect online. timing. Like, yeah, great timing yeah, for sure. So, which is yeah. really important in the entrepreneurial journey is like of the course, timing yeah. is a big part of it too. Um, but um, did you see like that wave of like was like were you and all like anyone around you that was an artist or interested in art like were they trying to go no, into digital it, art? You know what's funny? I actually hated digital artists. I refused to get on it. I. I was so loyal to the pen and paper. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm never going to be, a, you know, on a digital designer. Like, I thought it was so whack. And anyway, that was just me being stubborn. And obviously, because I, yeah. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Um, but this was, I, I got into it because it was survival instinct. Mm. It was like literally me, like a caveman, like trying to make fire to yeah. f- survive. So, so, wh- so why'd you drop out? Um, so around, uh, freshman year, my family went through um, a, a lawsuit, and we lost our house. Uh, my dad went to prison. I had to drop out because my parents couldn't pay for college anymore. I had now had to start to pay, so I'm like, there's no way I'm paying. You know, I was going to a universe, a big university that was very expensive, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, like my, you know, everything got cut out under my leg. Like literally, no money. I went to debt automatically. Um, couldn't even afford to like fill up my my car with gas, so I had to sell everything I had, um, and that's when I bought a new computer because my computer was you know just a college computer, right? Essays. Yeah. It wasn't. You couldn't run Photoshop. Yeah, I couldn't run all these programs, so I had to sell all my stuff to buy a proper computer, buy the programs, and then get on Illustrator and Photoshop and sell some stuff. You know, I'm yeah. curious. You know, usually when folks go through something traumatic like that, you know, being positive isn't the first response right it's like you know you kind of sulk in your emotions and you become like this oh yeah. like, what am i gonna I mean, do what, what, what were the emotions that you were going through and how were you able to kind of maybe force yourself to get out of that um you know when when it all happened i just i don't know why i thought this way but i'm like there's only two ways 
to really deal with this? Because when anything tragic happens or anything happens in life, you can, there's two ways to deal with something. It's positively or negatively. And there's, what is that going to do? You know, I'm going to pout and, you know, sit in my ass and blame it on that. Or I could, you know, do what I was born to do. It was almost like my permission to go, Mm -hmm. you know, all in on this thing I was given finally, because up until this point I wasn't. And I, you know, I was partying, I was in a frat, um, you know, I was still doing, I was obviously doing very well in art, wasn't going to any other classes, um, but there was some points in there where I was like, shit, I need to take this seriously, like, I was kind of slipping, mm-hmm. um, I was never a good student, so I was never in, good in school, but art is the only the reason, like, I was able to get into these programs and these schools, um, I would do terrible in all the other classes and destroy my art classes, and it wasn't until I failed my first art class that it was a big wake up call, but um, yeah, it was it was it was one hundred percent survival, and I knew, I knew what I had to do. It was it, it, I got lucky, you know. A lot of my siblings weren't as lucky. My a lot of people aren't as lucky when tragedy strikes. Um, you know, some people haven't found what they're truly going to do mm-hmm. the rest of their lives, yeah. and I knew, and that's when like my you know obviously my entrepreneurial spirit awoken, my work ethic was born and which is interesting because i feel like a lot of folks might have wanted to take the i don't want to say the easy way but the safer way at that point where you're at this point where you don't have money and you're faced with this decision of like do i pursue my dreams and obviously forgo making money in the beginning or even for like quite some time or do i go get a cushy job and get paid so i can support myself and my family and whoever but you didn't choose that the latter so i'm curious like how, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, did you always have that bug in you that you, you just felt like, I don't want to go work for somebody? I don't want to. I did. I did, though. So oh, okay. when this all happened to me and I bought this new computer and I downloaded these programs, I created a portfolio bit and I designed stuff for what jobs I wanted to pursue. And back then it was music. I loved rap. I loved hip hop. So I was making cover art and I was making a bunch of stuff that I would send to like Def Jam and a bunch of these labels to, you know, hopefully do that. And actually yeah. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I built a portfolio. I got with with Def Jam. I was working under uh, one of their creative directors who actually did like J. Cole's logo. He did a bunch of uh, album artwork for Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was like the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah. Um, right when literally this is in the midst of making a portfolio. So I was literally just applying on Craigslist to jobs. I, I was getting art director positions, uh, interviews. And I would go into the interviews and they're like, all right, like how many, how much experience do you have? Like as an art director, I'm like, I just downloaded the programs like yeah. a year, six months, a year. And like they laughed. It's like, it was like a joke, but I did get some good jobs and I got a, a nice job um, that paid me well. Um, that was sort of corporate uh, graphic, senior graphic design job. I was the youngest one in the company by like 10 years and I hated it. And I actually ended up getting fired because. What did you hate about it? The job. I was bored. Yeah. I would finish what they gave me in a couple hours. I would, I would, that would take me a week or two, and I was so bored. I would be, you know, on ESPN. I would be on like Yahoo trying to see the trending news, and I'm like, this isn't me. I felt like I was in school again. I was looking up yeah. at the clock. And speaking yeah. of school, sorry to cut you off, but speaking of school, um, I know, and just school in general is very like. You know, it's rule based, and you kind of have to follow what the rules are in a way where to do well in class. And it's like mm-hmm. a very political. Yeah. How was it with art, like in your art classes? You know, in art school, um, did you like? Did you ever? Did you ever ever hit a wall where you're like, damn, like I, you know, I want to do this, but I'm supposed to do this for the class, or was it very free flowing in these art classes? Yeah, like I told you, man, it came so easy to me. Um, there obviously was a lot of restrictions, and and that's that's funny you say that because um, it was tough. I mean, and I didn't even know I was that good at art until mm-hmm. after class, because mm-hmm. I've never at this level created on my own before. It was always you have to do this and this exactly, yeah, and you're going to be compared and you have to talk about it and explain yourself. And it wasn't until all that was over, and you're just like, okay, I'm going to do what I want to do now. Like mm-hmm. and that's when I actually knew. I'm like, wow. I actually have a lot of. It's like I didn't know a lot about myself until that happened. Would you consider yourself a patient person? Because it sounds like. Because oh the reason I ask uh, I'm is an because incredibly patient. Yeah, person. I, f- I feel that because reason I ask is like anytime in that situation, um, a lot of folks are, are doing something creative. Like, let's say it's learning an instrument or 
yeah. you know, painting or whatever it might be, when you're told but, what yeah. to do, it, it kind of sucks the the joy out of you. Like, I just want to do my own thing. Like, fuck this. Yeah. I wanna... I'm very patient in the macro, but in the micro, I'm the speediest dude you'll yeah. ever meet. Um, I was the fastest artist in every class. Like, I would finish before everyone. Yeah. Um, but I'm super slow on the big picture stuff. And is that is that by intention or is that just how you've always yeah i think it's just dna um it took i mean god the jobs i took to get to where i am right now is is like honestly remarkable like how much shit i ate how little paid i've been how much free work i've done seeing years and years and years of artwork just go unseen by anyone um and still having that that killer instinct to create after all that is uh that's my patience um, yeah. but in terms of that physical execution it's 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 like yeah. walking and what's it's going like, on through your mind at that point like when when you know you're working a job you hate and you just don't you're not seeing the light and nothing's really working out like how are you thinking about the process like how are you a- approaching this it's like at some point someone's going to recognize my talent and at some point it's just going to take off like was there yeah. anyone that you saw like an well, example or an inspiration you know, that, like no, because I mean, in these jobs, I always wanted to be almost like the decision leader. I guess. Yeah. Um, I actually never thought of creating my own thing. Hence, applying to yeah. art director jobs right out of college. Yeah. No. <laughs> um. I actually really like. Pro- I love products. Um. Yeah. I love um identity. I love expanding on things that exist. Um. And I actually, I wanted to do. It's not like I didn't want to do it. I I liked it. I just was never in a position of power. Um. And. I got really impatient in one of the one job I was with for like five years, and I wasn't really. Um, I hit a cap in terms of, uh, you know, the C, like being a C level guy, mm-hmm. like getting equity and really being a decision maker in the company. And I knew I just I wasn't ever going to get there. Yeah, and that's when I kind of. That's when you know that day I came home from work and I was living with Mark in San Diego and we built it iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, I it wasn't until was, then yeah. until. I think I think Naval yeah. said this, and Mark's gonna like this one. Uh, he said you can't get rich uh, renting out your time, which it sounds like that's kind of the realization you had was like, I'm just gonna be not even rich, but you know, like in the sense of like not even money rich, but yeah. life rich. I, yeah, I think it was just more like Mark always says, like we were so underappreciated um, yeah. for what we offered, and and not, and not just like our skill set, like our dry, our like work ethic. Mm-hmm. Me and him, we have the same work ethic, but we're completely different people, mm-hmm. and that's like. The thing that always constantly gives us respect. Right. Um, and obviously, this is a great segue into Mark. You used the word before, it was remarkable. And I thought to myself, you can't spell remarkable without Mark. Oh, God. And so, <laughs> you like that one, Mark? <laughs> oh, yeah. he's still here. Didn't still here. He's just, he's just so quiet today. <laughs> so, when did, so you were in Chicago, you said up until five years ago. So, that's 2014 ish. Um, when did you end up meeting Mark? Like, when was that? When was that um, time? So, th- when I was freelancing, and um, actually, yeah, I was freelancing, just starting building my portfolio, uh, and a girl had mentioned that she needed to meet me because I think he mentioned to her that he needed a new designer because one of them quit, I think, or was quitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he called me the next day. And how did you guys know each other? I didn't. I had no idea oh, who he no was. Idea who I, he the was. girl, he's like, "Hey, this is my." Buddy's gonna call you um, for work. I was like, okay. And at this point, I wasn't like I, told, I wasn't that good of a designer yet. Um, I was fairly new, um, but I needed all the money I can well, get. What were you like? What kind of projects were you doing as a freelancer um, at the time? At this point, super random stuff. Um, my biggest gig I had was uh, I was designing T-shirts um, for a company um, outside of Wrigley Field, which they had the best real estate, literally mm-hmm. in Chicago, for yeah. apparel. Oh, they had a store in front of you. Um, yeah. Okay. And I was the main designer. So I was making uh, T-shirts. And to me, that was so cool, um, yeah. being a, a huge Cubs fan and Chicago guy growing yeah. up. But yeah, I wasn't making that much money at all. I mean, I was living at home. I had no money. And Mark called. And he was one, was one of the first retainers I've ever gotten. Um, at a Where was he working He at was doing Cage Hero back then. Um, and I was getting a retainer for projects here and there. But um, that was the first venture we worked on. That was the first thing he hired me for. And then one day he's like, hey, I got another thing. Uh, these guys are going to call you about a hat company and they want to work with you. Um, and 
that was our second venture, and that's what led me to move out to California. But um, it wasn't until a couple years after that one call Mark gave me for Cage Show that we actually met in, in New York one night. Um, but yeah, that's how it all happened. If that call like never happened, if that like, girl never introduced you guys, like, what do you think you would you would have been doing in the next like or at this time? I'm just curious. Man, I never think about it. It's something with art. I mean, when my dad when he when before he left, we actually I was making shirts again, and he actually funded my first shirt run. It was like the last thing um, I've ever was funded before. It was like it was so. <laughs> I remember, I'll never forget. He I it was two hundred eighty dollars. I needed like 50 shirts to sell on Facebook and we actually sold all of them. But um, I remember I'm like, how am I going to raise $280? It's just so funny. Uh, yeah. So that was my first funded project uh, back then. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure to answer your question. It would definitely be art. It would definitely be a different path. But I have a very confident to say in a different parallel universe, it would have got to exactly right. where I am right now. And, and that's the, I guess my leading question was like for, 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 kids out there that are maybe like in a same similar position as you were in where they know that they're talented and they've had that affirmation, whether it's through social validity or just, you know, just seeing, you know, how much better they are against other people who are doing something similar. Um, when it comes to art, like, or even like music or anything like, and they're just looking for that big break. Like, do you think that, or what do you think are the things that they, they should be doing that will eventually lead to them ending up in that place? So, I just read this quote, I think the other day, but um, it's, you have to, you have to think like the decision maker. You have to think like a CEO. You can't think like an employee. And I think that's what I did when I started creating my portfolio. I'm like, I'm going to pretend I'm the, the creative director at Def Jam mm-hmm. and I'm going to create this album for Wiz Khalifa. And this is how I do it. Like, that's how I was thinking before I even knew that's how you should think mm-hmm. if you're trying to get that job. Like if you're trying to be if you're trying to be the greatest dancer in the world, like you got to practice like you're the best dancer in the world. Like you have to practice for the job you want to pursue, but you have to think like the CEO. You can't think like an employee. I think that's like the best advice is to literally manifest, like pretend you're the CEO, pretend you're making the decisions. How would you run it? How would you allocate your time? How would you allocate your budgets? Like your equipment. Um, That's my biggest advice. Love it. On that New York night, is that when Iconic was created? On which night? That New York night? No, no. This was the New York night was just I'm me meeting Mark for the first time. Yeah. What did you think of him? I what well, this is my first time in New York. So first yeah. time in New York, first time meeting anyone really who's super New York. You know, I had a bunch of New Yorkers in my frat, but um Mark Mark is New York. Yeah, but they were in the West Coast. So it was like they were like New York's in the West Coast. This is my first experience of a New Yorker in yeah. New York. Um uh yeah, he's very fast, very he just wants to know he he has a million questions, uh, rhetorical questions. Any question you can ever ask, he just fired off. Yeah. Anything he's very curious. And so he was. You said he was doing Cage Hero at the time. Yeah. And that's when you guys met, and that's what you guys started working on together. Yeah. Yeah. And this then, was the Cage Hero days. And um, then that you said led to. Yeah. Mel- so was it Melon? Was it yeah? Company? Then Melon. I was doing contracted work, and the contracted work went from just doing graphic design stuff to doing more product stuff, and then it. Then I was actually the full-time product designer, and then I was doing all the photography, and I was actually designing the hats and the in the graphic design. I was designing like landing pages, everything. Um, and that's when I was just wearing way too many hats, working way too hard, way too underpaid. Some promises fell through. Um, and 2015-16, I came home one day um, in San Diego where me and Mark were living. I was like, dude, like this is enough. We need to go our separate ways. We need to create something new, something that's ours. I mean, me, me and him work really well together. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we're completely opposite people. Everything he does well, you know, I don't, and vice versa. And and you guys are both at that point where you're like, I'm sick of this shit. Or- yeah, and I think he was sick of it before me. And you know, like I said, I'm, I'm patient. I could ride. I can yeah. go through it. You know, I can be dragged through the mud um, quite a bit. And I don't know why this night, it was just one night where like, let's create something. And he had some big Instagram accounts that he had access to. Mm-hmm. And I was a fast, you know, thinker. Um, and this was the first time I actually used my brain to kind of hack 
pop culture and where all the attention was. And this is when I started first really analyzing and kind of the user behavior inside of attention and the applications and right. and Instagram and and how that all come about. Like, was it just the just you saying like I'm going to sit down and I'm going to think about what's going on out there and, and yeah, what opportunities what, there yeah, are? Yeah, we're or, like. Well, so or was or my question was like, yeah. or was there something specifically that yeah. like inspired you? Like, holy is, shit, there's yeah. something here. Yeah. So when I lived in Chicago, I would print some of the artwork I was working on, and I would decorate my apartment. And our apartment, we had parties there three times a week, so it was more of like a gallery. I had mm-hmm. around like twenty pieces all around our place, very big. It looked almost like iconic pieces, mm-hmm. um, but it wasn't. Um, and people would come over, and we had like forty, fifty people over every night of that you know those three nights and people would try and buy all the artwork off the walls and i was like dude that's my only one and at this point printing art online was a new thing yeah um a new concept i will never forget googling like uh custom art like you know print your art and um i found a site printed my stuff and that feeling when you're getting you that cam that was those first canvases that came in were amazing and okay so they were on canvases at the time yeah this was canvas put them up um and then I, I brought most of them to uh, California, and we're like, wait, let's start. And when I, we put them up, and in San Diego, we're like, dude, let's just start selling art. And it was like just this culmination. It, it was like it was like that perfect timing yeah. t- kind of thing. That yeah. one night, you come home, like let's do that. Like everything in our lives were just like met at that one that one point. Mm-hmm. And um, I love this because I, if, if you haven't heard Mark's episode. Please do because it's a different perspective. Was it episode thirty-one, yeah. which is really cool, something like that. I always um, say thirty-one. I feel like that's yeah. just my story everyone's number. episode thirty-one. Yeah, everyone's but like it's 31. really funny because I know he he was saying that um, something along the lines of like he was managing uh, yeah Timmy, Timmy yeah, and a lot of people couldn't afford the artwork. Yeah, so it kind of so came here together. I was making the artwork that almost that we wanted to sell, and yeah. he had the idea, you know, to start commercializing this. And yeah. um, I went on Instagram like, well, what are people looking at? And it was a lot of memes. A lot of people were sharing memes. A lot of people were posting motivational stuff so you you saw a lot of motion motivational instagram accounts yeah you saw a lot of photography photographers flood you know the scene Mm -hmm. um and that's how iconic was born i was like let's just create iconic images for the next generation remind me how the name came up well that was it i was like let's create let's let's recreate iconic imagery and i was like wait well let's let's become the iconic imagery that people are going to see in 20 years like oh wait let's take that image that we made yeah so it was like let's reinvent kind of iconic imagery based on digital social media and And instagram and what was popular on instagram because like you go to galleries and the mona lisa was very popular in galleries like you can name the top 20 paintings from like you know historic times Mm -hmm. like what would ours look like right what would the most if memes were in a a gallery? What would they look like? Mm-hmm. And, and that's how. It and from the get go, like from a content perspective, was there like a non negotiable? Like we're we're not gonna deviate from this too much. Like was the cultural no. aspect? Oh or, my god, no! This was yeah. we were doing anything and anything, everything, everything we thought yeah. people would like. Um, and the identity of Conic wasn't even there yet. It was just one part of one small part, but that identity just rose to the top mm-hmm. um and it was it's funny we didn't even know what our identity was until we started getting on the camera because our employees when they came in they're like you guys are nuts you guys are psychos like you guys you guys work like madmen like you're literally you die for this mm-hmm. and you're actually making like some of your quotes actually it's like that's like you guys were like fuck you're right and so we kind of went all in into that identity to like as like you know outwork everyone and um we were like living proof of some of our pieces and we had no idea yeah like it wasn't like an intentional thing Mm -hmm. when we started iconic like oh we went through this so let's make pieces that share our experience with people it wasn't like that at all and i know there's a lot of noise out there especially when it comes to like what the right ways of you know running a business or not, you know, being an entrepreneur and this and that, like at the time, did you feel like you're pretty, I don't want to call it ignorant because it kind of has like a weird connotation, but like, did you feel like you're going into it? Like kind of not really knowing like, what oh, it's yeah. like to, every day was naive. I guess yeah, yeah, every day was, well, for me at least, yeah. um, Mark claims he's, he's, <laughs> he's like, Oh no, I, I, I've been doing companies for a while, which is, you know, true. I just didn't know. But for me, it was, it was brand new. Yeah. So every day was, well, you new. gotta have somebody like that, that yeah. has that, like, Oh, but we still don't, you know, I mean, optimism. No offense, Mark. We fu- we were fucking up left and right yeah, as yeah. well. Like, yeah, for yeah. sure. Because this was a new a new uh, landscape for us. The digital landscape was mm-hmm. new to us. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, um, it was new to a lot of people that were even consuming it, yeah. like in terms of like what you guys were creating. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was just it was, it's funny because we actually for the first I would say first year or maybe six months to a year we weren't running ads or had no idea mm-hmm. even what digital marketing was. Um, we were just using Instagram. Um, yeah. In the first the first day we put up our first canvas, we sold like eight, 12 or eighteen of them in like a couple hours. Were you surprised by that? Insanely, we. I remember we were jumping up it? on the couches. Um, what was the What was the canvas? It was a piece we don't sell anymore, so I don't. I don't want to talk about it. But um, <laughs> oh, okay, it's one of those. Yeah, was, um, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were jumping up on the couches like it was the craziest thing ever. Like, how the hell did I just make something, put it up, and we just sold yeah. twelve of them in like an hour? That's like absurd. This was Mark online. surprised? Oh, we were both surprised, and that's how it was born. Like, let's do another one. And yeah. I think we did three. And then we had three up on a landing page. And then, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't even on our site. It was on whatever the Instagram account was yeah. that was uh, distributing That's our so content. Mm. And then we're like, okay, let's create our own company. Let's actually make a name mm-hmm. and, um, and switch and actually make uh, a website. It was so slow. The whole process mm-hmm. of the company went so slow. It was, um, you know, one brick at a time, even taking off that brick and looking at your what we had and putting back on the brick. It was, it was, it was very organic. It was very authentic, and it, it, it came very slow. And um, it, it was almost like we were walking in the dark. It may sound like a stupid question, but did you two set out to make money, or did you set out to just do for, something yeah. that you were good at? That Mark thought this there's some opportunity no, here. It was for sure money. We weren't we weren't making a lot of money. I mean, that's why we I wanted to leave, um, and. The, I was promised a lot more stuff when I moved to California, and when that wasn't promised after yeah. six months, that's when I got kind of restless, and that's kind of what almost forced us to reevaluate. And right. but it was definitely money because we, yeah, we, we, we didn't have any, right? So um, it do wasn't. You, do you think that that was the right thing to do? Because obviously, a lot of times we hear, "Don't chase the money," you know, "Chase your passion, chase your dream, whatever the fuck it may be." Well, we, yeah, but we like, were. I mean, I was chasing art. Mark was. I mean, Mark's also passionate about this too. He was already doing it. Um, he's passionate about business and entrepreneurship, so mm-hmm. he was following it. I was following. It, it just was a perfect. Right. Do you think if you didn't thing. go through that, you know, like that shitty, you know, situation where you're promised a lot of things you don't get, and you're working a job and you're working your ass off, and it's for somebody else's vision and that kind of stuff? If you didn't go through that, do you think you would have started a company in your life? I do. I just don't think it would have been. It would have probably been later um, on. Yeah, it would have probably been a, a year or two after. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I loved building products. I still do. Um, I just, I realize I hate being told what to do. It's like one of my biggest pet peeves. And my, I hated it in school. I hated mm-hmm. it about my parents. I hated it by anyone. Telling me what to do was like the biggest thing that like ticked me off. And this was a way for me to completely be free. And it just, it worked out. And um, I'm just so grateful that everything, all the pieces fell into place. Right. What were, I mean, it's been about two, three years now that Iconic's been a business? Yeah, or? I think three three years full time almost yeah. now, yeah. And I know that for folks that follow you on Instagram, which is at Cole, if yeah. you guys don't follow him, um, you know, we Pat and I have been following you for a while now, even before we met you or Mark or anybody. I forgot I had that account. Uh, huh? I forgot I had that account. <laughs> Did you? Well, <laughs> Sometimes I do. Yeah, yeah. Because you use how does, the how does other content account? just end up yeah, popping yeah, up on yeah, this yeah, Instagram? Yeah. yeah, but but what you said earlier on, which was you started following user behavior, right? Yeah, you started following culture, and a lot of times, like even more so now, I feel like than ever, you know, it's almost as if you follow it so closely that within like a few hours, there's some sort of piece up there already that reflects that culture, whether it may be sports, whether it's yeah. you know business whether it's art whatever it may be whether it's obviously shoes are a big part of it as well what made you get involved with that stuff and what made you kind of grow and continue doing that well it was it was interesting because i came from the world of you know i had to design something submit a tech pack um i have to wait about a month to get a sample if the sample's messed up i got to redesign it submit it again wait another two three weeks that gets approved maybe maybe not and this was new to me, so I would be designing a lot of stuff that would just take very long time. And and 
I just, it just all made sense. I'm like, I can upload my art because I'm like, I did it before. It came here in a week. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And we're like, drop shipping wasn't really huge back then, but this was just like, it was almost like it fell in our laps. And it sounds like it didn't happen that easy, right? It was our whole lives leading up to this one point. But at that time, it was like, like an Eureka, you know, kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're saying, like, because I'm already fast, I can design something right now and upload it and then we can put it for sale and we don't need to get a sample in and we can just see sales come in right away. Mm-hmm. So it was it was so mind-blowing to us. And um, when we first figured out about, uh, you know, digital marketing, that's when literally it was like, I, I felt like I hit the lottery before I hit the lottery. You know, like that feeling yeah. you get? Yeah. That's literally what I felt. I knew. I knew right away when yeah. someone's like, you can do this. Like your stuff would put it on Facebook, you know? And we're like, wait, what? Yeah. Like you're saying I could spend money and make people will see it and buy it. And once the, the week we got on that thing, it was like a rocket ship. So I'm curious what your approach is, whether it's, I don't know if it's changed from then when you first started the company to now, but what, what, what is your approach to coming up with new content? Like, how do you go about this whole process? Man, it's tough. That's like, it has a lot to do with one, obviously having a pulse on culture, right? Yep. Um, which anyone can really do, um, but it has a lot to do with like style and um, and just like knowing what's cool, like knowing what pe- you think people will like. And I've been doing that my whole life. You know, I was you know painting logos on uh, cell phones before there were uh, phone cases. Yeah. Like people would bring in their Nokia phones, the first Nokia phones, and yeah. be like, Jeff, can you paint this logo on the back of it? Yeah. And in school, I would, you know, paint the Jordan logo and sell it to them for like 20 bucks. So like I always knew, you know, I always had this. Um, but yeah, it just came, you know, so naturally. Um, and it, I think, you know, once all these apps came out, and people were on them, you know, it was just in my in my nature to like study, you know, how people use the platforms. Um, it's the same way like an entrepreneur or someone like, like Gary Vee, like when he was, you know, rearranging stuff in his wine, you know, store uh, when people came in. It's the same mentality, it's the same thing, like what are people paying attention to? Um, but mm-hmm. it, it didn't come full circle and it didn't, um, it didn't really blast off until I started watching Gary Vee and yeah. started to be, pay attention to music and taking it seriously where that actually just amplified yeah. um, before it was just me kind of going in raw and just figuring it out. But um, now, like after three years, after selling all these pieces and I'm sure you've collected a lot of data on like which pieces are the hottest versus like, you know, pieces are the, that aren't doing so well. How much do you let the data dictate what you do next and how much is it just purely because you feel like it's the right, piece to put out um it's a mix of both um the the most interesting part now is uh copy and quotes right mm. that's what does the best um you know emotion evoking emotion and that didn't come a little later in the company realizing that that's really what yeah. our brand was about yep. you know inspired inspirational and, and motivational quotes um but I would consume hundreds and thousands of quotes and seeing what people were, were reposting the most, you know, using some tools, some hacks. Um, but most of it is just like me reading something. And if it really hit me in a way, um, I was like, damn, like that is, that's super cool. Like I would just keep it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's just something I was, I think I was just born it's with. It's so interesting to me that the quotes do so well because I, I always tell him like, um, I feel like historically art has been so kind of like just kind of, I don't know what the word is, but mysterious where you kind of like everyone has their own interpretation yeah. of what it is. Yeah, it's so funny. On my, on my yeah. story the other day, I don't know if you saw, I, I quoted, um, I, th- I think it was Picasso, but he's like, I don't want anyone to have a thousand interpretations of what my painting is. Huh. So I, want, I want it to mean one thing. Interesting. Yeah. And that's how it becomes dangerous. Um, it becomes dangerous if it's just about yeah. one thing. Yeah. Because yeah. if you can interpret it in a hundred million different ways, it really doesn't mean anything because mm-hmm. everyone's going to interpret it differently. But when he said that, I'm like, holy shit, that makes so much. That's literally what I strive to do. Like, I want it to mean one thing. And I think that's what you mean. It's so binary, you know, putting a quote on a canvas. And obviously, you know, 
there's a lot more well, that goes on to yeah, it. But right. when you put a quote on it, that's what it means, hmm, you know. Right. And and especially the way we consume right now, I can't look at something and stop and be like, "All right, I'm gonna sit here for 20 minutes on my feed and try and figure out what this means." We're not, yeah. we're, we're not patient anymore. Right. right? Well, we have a, a couple seconds. To but play when de- you purchase to, art, I feel like it's different. No, that's what I'm saying. To play devil's advocate, I feel like yeah. maybe even Picasso, if that's what he really wanted, I'm sure maybe, like I don't, I'm assuming here, but he like tried to even put that out in the world. Like this art, this piece means this. But just historically, like if someone looks at it, they don't really know that as much versus just how they feel about the art piece. Yeah. Something about that. And the only way to consume it back then was to go to art gallery yeah. and you had time and you could sit there and stare at it. And there yeah. was no one competing for real estate. Right. And if you bought a book and you were in, in, and you were looking at it, there wasn't someone shoving another book mm. like in your lap. Like, no, look at this, look at this. It's like that's what really I think really made me stand out is mm-hmm. noticing that and right. be like, no one has that time. And especially if you want to make money, I I, I preface that. Yeah. If you want to sell your art online in a digital marketing and Instagram world, I think that formula is outdated Mm -hmm. or I hope someone can figure out what this means. You know, I'm not, I'd scroll right past it. And that's, that was just how I thought. And that's kind of how iconic was. I want people to stop. Yeah. And that's the hardest thing to do. That's what everyone wants Mm -hmm. in digital marketing is how can I get someone to stop on my content? How can I get their attention? And you know, the one thing I love about iconic is after we, you know, sat down with Mark, a lot of our friends, you know, ended up, buying a lot of the product a lot of the listeners thank you, know, you guys. yeah no no and, and it, <laughs> of course and the cool thing was they didn't just buy one like they kept like they kept buying more and i was only surprised because i didn't even think that there was a community out there that i knew that was interested in that kind of stuff and when you asked them it was just like they loved waking up in the morning or coming home and being able to kind of see something that number one they paid for and it was affordable art, mm-hmm. you know, because historically art is so expensive and you know you're a collector and this and that or whatever. But it was something that spoke to them, which is why they purchased it in the first place. Because I think millennials don't necessarily buy things that they don't need, right? Especially if they're in student with student loan yeah. debt and just like the ex- like living in LA and how expensive it can become. It feels like you own it. You know what? What, what are some of the stories that you've heard of people that have consumed and have purchased the iconic products i mean it's funny because so i'm not on the iconic instagram right um, i'm on mine but i mean i try and actually this is what makes if i'm ever feeling down or if i'm ever had a rough day because mm-hmm. obviously this, this is, is called i mean as a founder it's tough it's lonely it's hard i mean you have more rough days than yeah not, exactly for sure. it's as as cool as it may look out there it is so goddamn hard and it is so lonely and you spend so much time on this it's your whole life um you sacrifice a lot so i go in my dms and i'll i'll find those people who's like hey i bought this from you or hey like I saw this and now I'm going into graphic design or, you know, I was at my shitty job, but I always liked art. And I saw you, how you just don't give a fuck and are doing art your whole life. And I jumped into it and now it changed my life. So mm-hmm. like, that's kind of what kept me going through being a founder and yeah. being living this life, which it's so hard. And, um, I wish I was still on uh, Iconics Instagram cause I would obviously get a lot yeah. more feedback. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I've seen it work for me, and um, I I need that stuff too. Like as much, you know, I'm the one creating it, but I need that reminders to keep going, and those reminders to work harder. And, right. Um, some of my favorite, like outwork everyone, is one of my favorites. Um, keep going is, I have a classic story. We had just we were having a really rough week. This is early on. Yeah, it was maybe a year in. Really rough week. We made a lot of big mistakes um, financially, and just just some obviously being you know a startup you know startup mistakes and we had a, a, a keep going a muhammad ali piece up and i just like looked up at it and i'm like fuck did this just work on me like it's like it just worked on me and i just like, got fired up again so i was actually i saw it firsthand for the first mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. and that was when i knew like man this really means something right to people and um when you're so close to it you kind of lose that right um, and i was losing it i was losing that aspect of mm-hmm. and how I was inspiring people and people were buying it, you yeah. know, spending money and putting it up on their wall and looking right. at it and looking at it every day. And I forgot about that. And, and to that point, are you ever, do you ever feel like afraid for any reason that 
it's gonna like your aesthetic or your style is ever gonna lose the coolness like it's oh, ever gonna <laughs> man i'm a chameleon you, man yeah i can my one strength in design is i can adapt i can do any style you give me any style of art i can do it and i will that's like my number one strength yeah you give me anything i can i can recreate it or kind of blend myself in like an octopus like that's been my biggest strength through this whole thing and i know this is like the golden question around here but um for i guess let me shape it as this like um for anyone who is like an up-and-coming artist or wanting to let me expand on that real quick please do please do because growing up i'll never forget this there there was this art movie we watched in school and it was all about how you shouldn't only have one style and that like stuck the one thing i learned about the one thing that stuck with me through all the years of doing art was that this teacher she's there's all about you got to be careful to to only have one style Mm. and from that day i'm like i'm going to learn every style i'm going to master every style um because if like you said if that aesthetic isn't working in 1980 or you know and that's just not what's in right now it's not going to work so i think that embedded in my mind like i'm going to just be good at everything and um, not be a you know a one trick pony. And you know because this is the founder, I I think that that statement of don't have just one style is true to a lot of things. You know, it's yeah. true to your business. If your business, you know, whatever it may be, exactly, yeah. you know, is running well. One day something happens where your industry gets hit. How do you pivot? You have to be. You, you not only have to recognize yeah. that, but you have to be willing to pivot. Which I think a lot of people could recognize it, but they're like, "Oh, okay, it'll just pass." And they never pivot, and that company fails. A lot of people just have one strength, one style, and they stick to it, and they would never want to change their minds. They're hey, stubborn. I mean, you're right. I mean, that works with any business. If, Anything. If yeah. you have sixty percent of one client, and then mm-hmm. you, you lose that client, you're fucked. That's if it. you have sixty percent of inventory, that's one SKU that's selling. And all of a sudden, maybe it's out of style. Yeah, maybe it's out of style, or maybe you get a, a lawsuit against it, mm-hmm. and you have to take it off your shelves, and now you you lost all your inventory. Right. And those are things even that, worse. And those are things that you don't think about as a founder because you haven't necessarily yeah. been through it. Yeah. What were, you know, bringing that you know lawsuit situation up? What are some of the challenges that you've learned, or like the things that you've learned that you had no idea yeah. so about? So this, this is actually great to tie it back to iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to. Not, I didn't want to go all in on Iconic in the beginning because of that specific reason. I only saw a couple SKUs selling. I was like, we can't jump into this business without knowing a ton of our pieces are starting to sell. And I was scared. I was like, if we lose those pieces, we don't have any business anymore. Mm-hmm. And once I saw all the numbers start to spread and you know, we were now selling 10 different pieces a day 20 different pieces 30 pieces a day that's when i'm like okay this is real yeah let's quit everything we're doing let's go 100 all in right now um but yeah i, I completely agree and it, it definitely i mean it translates to everything in life mm-hmm. what does success mean to you whether it's business or life success oh man um i know you guys just i think you recently like uh or i don't know if it was recent yeah. but i saw like a so anything outside of what yeah. you've already put on there unless that's um, exactly it's, what you it's believe. kind of a double prong for me it's it's a it's it's happiness and, uh, and having a purpose um for me it's i hate when people are like oh like success is happiness but happiness comes and goes yeah, every day for sure yeah it's almost inevitable one hour you can be the happiest person in the world yeah. the next hour you could be absolutely depressed and happiness is like it's like waves they come mm-hmm. and go mm-hmm. and you can never really expect to be happy all the time mm-hmm. so when i started thinking about it, i'm like okay it's not just being happy all the time because that's impossible no one's ever happy all the time so it has to be just finding your purpose and leaving everything on the field so do you feel like you're successful now or do you feel like that's still something you're it's, working towards? i mean it's ongoing for me yeah. i mean it has to be. I think anyone who thinks they've hit success is like, bro, you can't. <laughs> Arrogant as fuck. <laughs> to me, you just or has small goals. To me, I think to me actually Very hitting true. success is being happy every second of every day, and that's impossible. Right. Yeah. So you have to just do your the best you can. Right. I think that's what life is, just doing the best you can, finding your purpose and and striving to hit your your mm-hmm. fullest potential. And I think that's my biggest fear is like not living your fullest potential because yeah. like when, yeah. when you, at the end of your life if you're sitting there in your deathbed and you 
feel like you haven't reached your fullest potential, that, that scares me. Right. So I just try and live uh, the best I can, um, have a purpose. Um, I think the purpose piece is huge, and I know you guys have a lot of art around that too, which is like, the, you know, the grit and all that kind of stuff. Uh, which, but it's also like, I feel like the hardest to attain. Like you can put all these practices to hopefully, you know, be, feel better about yourself and your life every single day. But finding purpose, it ha- it's such a multi-faceted like, thing where it's a combination of trying things, being exposed yeah. to things, being, you know, having a validation that you're good at certain things. Again, going back to that, like how does someone, like there's that, there's that person out there that is going to be the next biggest musician, the next biggest artist, but they just... They're still not grinding. Yeah. They haven't gotten that yet. You know, and it's actually, I just thought of this. So it's like, I think it's actually harder and harder every day to find your purpose. Because like, let's go back to the, the caveman era, right? Yeah. right the basics. If you were in charge of putting, finding rocks and putting them in a pile, and it was that binary, that was your purpose. Like, I'm just going to find the rocks, put them in the pile, and that's my life. And if I can do that for my tribe, man, I'm going to live up to my fullest potential. But now... Life is so complex, and we have we're like we're we're like now we know there's could be aliens, and there's I mean we have so much things going right. on. It's like what do I have a purpose? Like right. is there this? Like, there's so many questions. Well, now. it's funny because I was also for the past God knows how many months. Pat was like, you got to listen to this Naval podcast with Joe Rogan, and everybody else started telling me too. So I started listening to it, and one thing that he brings up, speaking of rocks, um, was how he has a true belief that society as it is now will go back more similarly to a hunter-gatherer type system oh, yeah, yeah. where everybody will kind of be their own thing, their own person, their own tribe, but they will work together yeah. to get things done, it, right? It's yeah. kind of like breaking up the this corporation, yeah, this like capitalistic... Factions. Have you ever seen uh, Divergent, that movie? I no. haven't. No. It's literally it's the same yeah. thing that yeah. I was talking about is that they yeah. all have their own faction yeah. and they all yeah. do one specific thing, whether it's ar- um, agriculture... Mm. Or, right. you know, they fight, right. you know, they're the fighters of the group. Like, exactly. I actually do believe that. I do believe that too, funny Because I think self-awareness is, right. is going to rise the top. Right. And realizing that you can do what you love yeah. as your job. I think that's becoming more and more prevalent every day. Mm-hmm. People are now starting podcasts because they love it. Like, yep. if I like Ninja Turtles, I'm going to start a Ninja Turtle blog mm-hmm. or a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like, people can do that now. Right. Yeah. It's easier. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think that's exactly where we're going, and it, yeah. I, th- I think it's super cool. Do you see your work ending up in galleries in the future and museums? You guys have a gallery, not. right? In I Vegas? hope not. You hope not. No. Why? Want that. I just never liked that culture. I never liked the gallery culture. It was, it was kind of like the wine culture that, like, you know, stuck up wine, you know, yeah. wine snobs. I just I, that just never was me. Yeah, I would never. I never really liked going to art galleries. I never. So I'm guessing my the Vegas galleries. gallery wasn't your idea. That you oh, I love the well. <laughs> the, the Vegas gallery is actually now turned into um, an interactive. Yeah, um, more which is honestly really cool. I've been seeing like you guys yeah. post videos about which it, which is funny because you're not supposed to touch the art, but here you're like touch it, do stuff, color, color over it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you went anti-gallery, like you went exactly, the opposite yeah. direction. Like you're on the other end of the spectrum where you have democratized it and made it accessible to almost everybody right so the reason i asked was do you think that there's gonna be one or two or few of your pieces that without even you wanting it to become valuable enough so that people actually love that who wouldn't love that that's that's what what i'm saying yeah and that's what i hate about this the whole banksy stuff right Um, everyone's like oh no like his stuff is meant to be on walls dude that's such horseshit the holding company that sells in a and credits these as authentic is his company. It's like he wouldn't authenticate them <laughs> if he wanted them to sell. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's it's. I just never liked the, that culture. Right. I was I'm so against right. that kind of stuff. I want everyone to have my art, and I want it to be on everyone's wall. I don't want one person to have it and be like, oh, I have the only mm-hmm. Jeff Cole art piece. Like mm-hmm. that's not why we create. We create to influence everyone. Right. So is that like of form of I guess um, appreciation like monetarily for like art like comparing physical art and historically like traditional art versus digital art and what's happening now that's massively accessible to people like is that is is it the fact that people are just going to be sharing it for years to come or you know and tying it to like a piece of history that is going to determine the value of the art yeah i think i'm not so much interested in people sharing it as i'm into what they do with it Hmm. like I want you to have it in your bedroom and I want you 
it to impact you. Like, I want to get an email from you in five years. Like, I've had your piece up on my wall every day for five years, and it's done this to me. Like, it changed my life. Like, that's what I want. You know? So I guess like, a question I think of is, like, how do you see, and I know this is something that Mark talked about how is a difficult thing. How do you see iconic transcending Yeah. Goal? So right now we are basically taking our core DNA and thinking of ways to market it, obviously, in, in different mediums, yeah. um, whether that be books, toys, you know, movies. You know, I think we, we've, we're starting to hit rhythm um, on who our core identity is and what it looks like. And some of these quotes that now people associate us with, we can start develop characters off them, um, yeah. which has been like, a resurgence it's been like almost like a, a new passion project um is this like kind of like kobe bryant's stuff it, it's what more, was this project called gravity studios granity studios? granity yeah. yeah punies and oh yeah I, I haven't heard about that well well granity studio well what he's doing is he's basically creating these stories like and characters that reflect you know his life or like things that are influences to him or that he i mean he's he's a story he's become a storyteller now but like i think that's kind of what from what you just said yeah yeah is what iconic might become yeah, it's basically taking our yeah. quotes and then being like okay let's how would a you know a cat this have to do with a cat like let's let's put a cat and bring it into the quote like how would he interact with the quote how would his life look with the quote i think that's where we're going and just almost developing i guess a whole world and a universe a new, around, a new dc around it. yeah i mean <laughs> i know knows? you like that and it's also also i mean we're getting a ton of new licenses that literally are yeah. mind-blowing to think that we have and and it's weird i i haven't even thought about how crazy it is about some of the license we've gotten and approved and some of the stuff we're working on which i can't talk about but imagine the biggest licenses in the world marvel can't talk about it <laughs> but no it's really exciting yeah. to um to kind of see how our dna fits with a marvel dna what exists or, out um, there already yeah different I can't say right. which brands, but what, <laughs> yeah. what characters. <laughs> right. Just max, mixing our DNA now with other things has been so fascinating and fun to um, – it's not like we're taking – let's just say Marvel. This is not a license we have. Hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically. If you know, I'm not just slapping something on their style guide on a canvas and be like, hey, here's our Marvel collection. We would take our DNA of you know, you know, leadership – and hard work and almost 50 50 with their, their DNA. character yeah, it's like so, collaboration like, of the characters yeah but like the quote and the meaning behind the right. quote was going to be just is, is have just an impact and almost the same amount of real estate and emotion as the marvel ip so it's not going to be weighted like oh i just put captain america on a canvas right and it says captain america like right. that's not what licenses are with us and that's what's really exciting is creating new IP mm -hmm. with other IP. Love that. Um, one thing I want to ask, and we can wrap up with this, is um, the owl lo logo, yeah. an icon that, which is like your icon. And I, I think you, so. You recently had a collaboration with Movement to yes. release your own watch. Yes. Congratulations! Thank you. That's fucking sick, dude. Having your own yeah. watch. How does yeah, that, that feel? Was awesome. Had that. I had that whole thing um, like kind of just coming to fruition. Feel for it was, you. It was the longest project I've ever worked on. <laughs> yeah. Because usually, I mean, I'm really fast, and I mean, you guys know with Icon, <laughs> we pump out stuff yeah. left and right. So this was cool. It was different. It was a full-year yeah. project. Um, yeah, I worked. I literally designed the whole thing, and, and it was all based around uh, my grandpa. Um, so my grandpa passed away um, like three or four years ago. I can't even remember now. Mm -hmm. um, and when he passed away, I wanted to make something to remember him by. And he used to collect owl figurines um, in his office. Why was that? I, I remember. I know, I know you wrote about it, and, and I yeah. remember seeing kind of. The you know what? I asked my grandma this, and I'm like, "Why did he 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 collect owls?" And her, her response is so funny. She's like, "Oh, he just he loved the way they looked. He loved the way they would stare back at him and like watch him." And yeah. I was like, "I was thought it was so funny. It was just like not the answer I was expecting." Yeah, yeah you're like, "Oh, he was like, like you it know, wasn't like wisdom. And, yeah, it wasn't like wisdom, and like it wasn't. Yeah, so I was like really." excited to hear what she said it was just so funny yeah but no i would go into his office as a kid and just play with them and um it was just the first thing i thought of when i was like what do i represent him by and um 
he's the one who took us to Arizona every year, and that was like our second home. So many weird connections to Arizona mm-hmm. um, that it's just what I told them when I would t- say them to you that you'd be like, wow, that's crazy. But um, way too many connections to Arizona. Um, so he was just the staple of our family, and I made this as a symbol to him. And almost he he had a um, a foundation as well that I, I originally made it for, um, and it just stuck. I put it on my profile just as to thank him, and I didn't think it would stay, and it stayed. And now I think eight of my family members have the owl tattoo tatted so on them crazy. as of literally last week. <laughs> Um, and that's so cool to see. And did they know all along like that's was like kind of paying homage, homage to your? Oh, of course. And it, yeah. it started just as a homage to my family. It had nothing to do with Instagram. It had nothing yeah. to do with my um, my logo. It yeah. was all about representing him, his foundation. And um, I wanted, I actually wanted to make a tattoo for him because I wanted him on on my body to look at all the time and remember him by. And if you guys, I'm Jewish, so if you know Jewish mothers, and they don't want yeah. you to get any tattoos and your yeah. whole family they're so my whole family is so against tattoos and to see now eight of them with tattoos including <laughs> my mom and my aunt and my brothers and sisters going rogue yeah it's just so wild <laughs> yeah. to see things change and yeah. to see us all bond together um through him and it's just so crazy to think now if you said in Nyers, your whole family had the same tattoo i would be like fuck you you're like you know <laughs> so that's amazing love it man love oh. it any other questions I'm good. Dude, this has been great, Jeff. I'm glad well, we finally made it happen. Yeah, thank you I know guys it was a long coming. time in the making. First podcast here. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, excited to see, obviously, where things go with you and Iconic. Oh, uh, yes. Guys, um, stay tuned. Be... There is so much crazy stuff coming out. I promise you guys are going to be mind blown. Can't wait. Thank you. Yeah, thank Thanks, you. Jeff.